Dan Aykroyd got there first, as he always does. As I know, honestly, I don't know why any of us were surprised. As he often, often does. Yeah. Hello, welcome to Guides the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And I'm using a different cadence a little bit, and it feels weird. I don't what, like it. Why? You think everybody caught on to that? I don't know. She I sounds did. so different. <laughs> I did. I it sets the it. show up for failure. Yes. Anyway, we are here to talk about The Conjuring 2, the real story behind it, and tidbits about the movie itself. Because yeah. weirdly, we've done Conjuring 1 and jumped right to Conjuring 3. Yes, I believe uh, 90, episode 90 of our show is The Conjuring episode 1. Mm -hmm. um, 94, I think, we predicted the subject matter for The Conjuring 3. Yes. So we just jumped over 2. Right. We but never actually talked that. about the movie, The Conjuring 3, but still. No. We talked about the case it was based on yes. in that episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so here we're going to be talking about the Enfield poltergeist, the Enfield haunting yes. in London, which is the subject matter for The Conjuring 2, although not entirely. Okay. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in The Conjuring 2 that has nothing to do with the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah, that that is true. There's all but... kinds of stuff in there. So, Will, I'm, you're very excited. I feel like you've hit some pay dirt. <sighs> I mean, sort of. I, yeah, I, I'm always at risk to oversell, uh -huh. you know, because I, I, I do get, I get so excited. You get so excited. I get so excited. I like right. looking up this stuff. Yes. I like seeing where the history was. I like finding out where... Um, historic cases of, of hauntings, which, you know, for the record, I, I am a skeptic of. Mm -hmm. I like seeing how people react to those cases, what was really reported to have uh, occurred, how Hollywood spins that, because I do think that it's all fodder for entertainment. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, I just have some fun stuff to share with you. So I will yeah. be talking about the haunting itself, and then we'll talk about the movie. Beautiful. The, the movie's sort of adaptation of it. Um, but like all things, listen, it's Guide to the Unknown. We're to have a, a good time. Yeah. There, there are so many nitty-gritty details here, again, in this kind of case. I think that... Uh, I, I can't possibly cover everything. Sure. Uh, just to always give that, that's a blanket disclaimer on anything we do, I think. Yeah, of course. I think especially this one, because don't people say that this is like the most documented haunting in all history or something? Do they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, it has like the most documentation or something like that. It says it in the movie. Oh, okay. I, I don't it's like the that, ending yeah. sort of thing. Huh. All yeah. right. Didn't like, come across com in my comes on the screen. research, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, there, there certainly is a lot of material. I watched like a mini documentary. I watched a follow-up of 20 years later, Where Is Everybody? Um, watched some featurettes yeah. from behind the scenes of The Conjuring 2, the film that Warner Brothers put out, mm -hmm. where the real people involved in the case sit down and talk about their experience and now the, the movie's adaptation of it. Um, so I, I watched a lot of stuff. I read a lot of stuff. Here are the things that stood out to me, essentially. So this story, uh, it kicks off in 1977, and it would go on for 18 months. Mm -hmm. And this is a poltergeist in every facet of the term. Poltergeist, 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 poltergeist means noisy ghost. Right. And you and I have talked about poltergeists before on the show, and it occurred to me that I might have a bit of a snake eating its own tail here because I was like, oh, this is... This follows the rules of the poltergeist exactly the way that we laid them out whenever we covered poltergeists previously on Guide to the Unknown. Mm -hmm. And then I realized there's probably a pretty good chance that within that episode, we cite this case. I gotta tell you, I know that we said we haven't talked about The Conjuring 2. It has always 
bugged me because I feel like we have talked about this case. Well, but I I can't find it. It it, it may have been a footnote. We certainly yeah. haven't gone entire episode, but I. I feel that it's there it's also long enough ago that maybe we talked about it on an old podcast or yeah something. it's completely fine it's not impossible yeah. um but so uh the enfield haunting would encompass like spontaneous fires uh items materializing out of nowhere okay legos flying across the room beds flipped upside down dresser dressers thrown across um, the bedroom what about children dressers Fran Drescher was safe popped up out of nowhere I'm thrilled to say that she was okay uh, out in Queens this is a huge relief yeah I do have a whole story about the origin of how she became the nanny <laughs> but we'll get to I that I believe it started in a barber shop I'm, in Flushing in Flushing Queens yeah yeah Til her boyfriend, her boyfriend kicked, kicked her, her out, out. it was know, one of those crushing do you scenes. know all of it what, what was, was she, she to do, do? where was she to go she was out, out on her, her fanny, fanny. To the boyfriend's door. She was there to sell makeup, but the father saw more. She had class, she had style, she was there. That's how she became the the nanny. Who would have guessed that the girl we described was just exactly (laughs) what the doctor prescribed? (laughs) Now she's dancing. Watch out, CC. Such wannabes. She's the The lady lady in red red when everybody else is wearing tan. There you go. The flashy girl from Flushing. The nanny named Frank. <laughs> it was so long. Yeah, it's really long. I hope yeah. everybody out there enjoyed that long mm-hmm. nanny theme song. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Enfield haunting. Yep. Um, so the, uh, the children were levitating in this case. And the most famous thing, they appeared to be almost possessed by an old man ghost. Mm-hmm. And his voice has been recorded and I will be playing it for you today. Gorgeous. In this episode. Yeah. Um, which I am very excited about. Excellent. Um, most of the activities seem to surround the two daughters. Um, this was the Hodgson family. Uh, the mother was Peggy. The two daughters that this mostly orbits around are Margaret and Janet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet was around 11 years old, which also makes sense from poltergeists. We had learned that poltergeists appear to um, fixate Mostly on, yeah. like, pubescent girls. Right. Right? Like, adolescents. But then again, I, I was like, but am I almost confirming my own research from poltergeists with this? You know what I mean? Like, am I... Yeah, but, I mean, that is what they say poltergeists do. And in this case, that's exactly what happens. That's so... true. Yeah. So, um, the the series of events are largely this. Um, uh, things are tense. Mm-hmm. The girls are making too much noise. The mom, Peggy, runs into the room, tells them to keep it down. The dresser flies across the floor. Yeah. They call the police, which is a pretty, I guess, a sensible thing to do. Something is just amiss. You I don't know what so. to do. You're out of your depth. You call for help. Yeah, And certainly. the police are meant to be help. So they call the police. They come in. And according to Wikipedia, they saw it, quote, they saw chairs drag across the floor, quote, uh, they saw them wobble and slide. Okay. And yeah, they, that was. Yeah. So the way that we structured this was that Will did research on the actual story as it was reported. Right. And I watched the movie and didn't go back into any of the real life stuff so yeah. that we each had a section. And that was a question I had because in the movie, they show the officers observe chairs slide clear across the floor. Yes. So I guess that did happen ostensibly. It, it is said to have happened. Okay. Now, interestingly, and, and maybe Will, I think we're going to, talk about this over the course of the entire episode. I think Hollywood had already somewhat picked 
the bones of this story pretty clean mm -hmm. before The Conjuring 2 could even be made. Because I see a, a chair scooting across a kitchen floor, and I think about Poltergeist. Yeah, totally. Poltergeist came out after the Enfield haunting. Right. So it seems that and was about a family, right? Out of their depth and what's going on with the kids. And it's it, very different, though. Oh, it's super, super different. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one. -one, but it does seem like uh, Toby Hooper and Steven Spielberg easily could have taken some inspiration from the Enfield yeah. haunting. They may, I, I didn't look into it. Maybe they've even said as much. I don't mm -hmm. know. But it just uh, uh, immediately stuck out to me. It was one of those fun things to see of the sort of DNA of stories and, right. and where they go. So uh, after the police are out of their depth, now the reporters come in. And the reporters are there to see the beds flip or the aftermath of. Nobody really sees these things happen. Okay. Um, beds have flipped completely <laughs> up to the wall. Legos are shooting across the room. And now here's this guy, photographer Graham Morris. Mm -hmm. And the very famous levitation photos. Right. Now, uh, for people who watch the video version right now, I'm going to put one of the most famous levitation photos on the screen. And uh, this depicts uh, in the bed in the background is Margaret. Mm -hmm. In the foreground is Janet. And Janet is up in the air. She appears to be like screaming. Her arms right. are splayed outward. Her knees are bent. Um, now, uh, this particular, uh, picture that I've got for you, um, is maybe the worst example I could use for this because there's a woman in the foreground and I'm not sure who she is. I think that might be the guy. What, who? More, like Morris or whatever his no, name no, is. No, 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 no. Are you Maurice sure? Maurice Gross. Uh -huh. Morris. Morris Gross has, it looks like Welcome Back Cotter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because in the movie, there's a guy who kind of looks like that. That? Kind of, I, I think. Don't know. I don't think so. No, oh no, mustache well, though. I have I take it back. Yeah, no, Morris Gross <laughs> looks like the most like seventies man on the planet. Okay. He's like a British Geraldo. I think I was looking at the hair because he has like longer hair and thinking that that was common DNA. But I guess you're right. That's so weird that you would say that. I don't know. It's just weird. Like out of a police lineup, if if Morris Gross mugged you me, you can't see anything. And they had a police lineup, and and one of them didn't have a mustache. I'd immediately be like, that guy is not the one. <laughs> Get him out of here. Morris Gross is defined by his big mustache. You're right. You're right. I, I don't know what to tell you. They're, they're I, well, kind I of in profile. <laughs> they're like in profile and have kind of like shaggy 70s hair potentially. Yeah, and so I, I thought know. maybe it was a dude. No. Uh, here, here's why this photo must be some other event or, or recreation or, or something. Yeah. The genuine article, original, they are levitating photos were taken in the most baffling way imaginable okay so this i got from a, a, a warner brothers featurette for the conjuring 2 mm -hmm. photographer graham morris explains how he got the original levitation photographs he said that the the camera was in the girl's bedroom with them okay on a wire and i instantly was like Why? don't talk about why the second i hear the word wire in relation to these levitating photos, I think were they suspended yeah. or something, but that wasn't his point. Mm -hmm. The camera's on a wire and the wire ran all the way downstairs so that he could take photos while not in the room. So no one, Kristen, right. no one was present for the original levitation photos, mm -hmm. which all suspiciously look like Janet jumping on her bed yeah, this or jumping off her bed. 
I know this isn't the, you know, one of the original ones like you're saying, but this just looks 100% like somebody jumping. It looks like somebody playing and being like, look, I'm a hawk. <laughs> because yes. her arms are kind of out and she looks like she's yelling. Yes, 100% right. Uh, he, she's I, playing hawk, clearly. Yes, I even wrote down something that Graham, oh my goodness. Ripsh. I even wrote down something that Graham Morris said. He wrote, I wasn't in the room at the time. I didn't see this. I mean, uh, like, all right, case closed. Right. What else is there to talk about? Especially paired with the fact that they admittedly faked things. Yes. Later, like, yeah. how much is faked? Though? That is that is the big rough mm-hmm. and tumble stuff, is that eventually the girls even said, we were pranking them. Right. Um, a little bit. They were caught on camera, bending spoons. Right. Maurice Morris. Not with their minds. No. Morris Gross even said that he saw them doing things like hiding his... Um, his voice recorder mm-hmm. and hitting the ceiling with a broom handle. Oh, man. It's like, yeah, pack it up, everybody. I read something where they said that they uh, made up about 2% of what happened, but you lose credibility once you've been caught making something up. It's so rough. It's obviously possible that yeah. that could be the case, but how can you not then look at everything? Let's, let's like, yeah. I'll call, call out another smoking gun right now mm-hmm. because uh, there's footage from this time. It was It was the 70s, you know, so... There, there's a full original BBC news report from the time as it's happening. Right. It's contemporary. They're, they're on location talking to the girls. And I watched it. Mm-hmm. And in it, Janet and Margaret are sitting on a couch. And at one point from off screen, the reporter asks, now, why do you think that it's haunted? Referring to the house, I right. think. And she goes, it's not haunted. <laughs> That's what Janet says. She goes, it's not haunted. And Margaret starts laughing and looks over at Janet and goes, shut up. On camera, in the news report. Why did Janet say that? Well, she... Their whole thing is telling people that it's haunted. Why would she say it's not haunted? She's kind of goofing around. They're kids. She's like 11, you know? Yeah, I guess so. And it's for attention. And I don't know. It gets sort of spun into another thing where it's like she's doing the voices. You're screwing up your shtick. But she could be, you know, in that moment, it gets spun in any Mm -hmm. number of ways or something. But for anybody else, you basically just go like, yeah, this is... Right. This is kids goofing around. It's a crock. It's a crock. But the other thing is like... Yeah, because and they're smiling the whole time. Like, uh-huh. None of this is really tension. I have quotes, and you'll hear them as mm-hmm. well. I have quotes uh, of of Morris Grossman just being like, "Leave, just get out of here. Leave us alone." Yeah, it's like not to the ghosts. Yeah, okay, not at all. Being like, "Damn you, away from them. Get out of this place. You're turning our lives into a nightmare." Everyone's like, "Are you here?" Well, what's this guy's... We'd like you to go away, please. What's this guy's story? Is he just a photographer or journalist or whatever? So so Graham Morris, it's all very confusing because like 15 people in here have Morris, Maurice, <laughs> Morse. Like they're just, everybody has the same sounding name. Uh-huh. Um, but so uh, let's talk about Morris Gross now, uh, who comes in. Morris Gross is most associated with the recordings of the voices uh, that Janet specifically would do, almost as if she was possessed by an old man. Right. And uh, part of what's weird about this is that before Morris Gross shows up, no voices. Mm-hmm. Then at one point, he they start noticing that like there's like a whistling and like chirping and 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 growling sounds that they can hear and stuff. And he's like, well, if they can like whistle and growl, they can probably talk. Uh-huh. So he goes, he even said to them, I believe, I expect to hear some voices. Oh, and then he I did. Mean- they started making voices. This is silly. Now, thankfully, 
The voices are awesome. Okay, yeah. I, I have heard them, they're too. They're real wild. They're very fun to listen to. And if you uh, sincerely believe in the paranormal, yeah, they're kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'm sorry. I, right. I, I just don't. So Morris um, tries to explain and uh, maybe... Why don't we just let's just do some of the voices because sure. it's so much fun. Let's grab, take a those, grab those uh, headphones there, and let's uh, let's make sure that this can play through. I want I want everybody to hear this. It's it's really interesting, and if you've seen The Conjuring two, listen, you've heard this. Right. They they like incredibly well. I know. Um, they reenact the voices. Um, they do a terrific job of it. I will say, um, like for sure, whoever they got to do the voice in the movie is basically spot on to how the voices were in real life. Right. Um, but they go a step too far in the movie of like having like layered reverb mm-hmm. on top of what he's yeah, saying. So it and takes stuff. away from the reality of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a little too much in my opinion. Um, but here, let's take a listen. So I picked this first clip and I'll have all my, you know, sources in the show notes and everything, but this comes from unexplained videos on YouTube. Um, starting at about two minutes in, um, and this is uh, Morris Gross asks the ghost, what happened when you died? I want you to tell me whether you remember what happened to you when you died. Just before you died and just after you died. Days before I died, I died. What? What words are those? No, I, I, the reason we're starting two minutes in, the first two minutes of this are almost entirely unintelligible. Oh, okay. And I have to say, like, I, even in the documentaries, sometimes I just did not know what people were saying mm-hmm. at all. There's a good chance that partway through they were like, yeah, this is all a joke. We're pranking right. you. Right. And I just didn't understand it. <laughs> I had a hard time <laughs> discerning what people were saying a lot of the time. Yeah, I just heard like, yeah, it, get, it gets great, though. Um, and remember, this voice confirmed, and I've seen it in the documentary stuff, is coming out of an 11-year-old girl. Yes. So it's cool no matter what. Is it a ghost? Right. Right. Here we go. Blowing. Then I had an ambush, and I fell asleep, and I died in a chair in the corner downstairs. That really does sound like a scary old man voice. It sound. It sounds 100 percent like an old man. It's crazy that that's yes. coming out of an 11 year old girl. It's crazy. It definitely sounds yeah. like the voice of an old man mm-hmm. impossibly coming out of a little girl. I wonder what the chicken or the egg was. Like, was she goofing around and found out she can make herself sound like an old man? I know. Like just f- playing with her sister? Or yeah. <laughs> was this luck that, oh, I actually am great at this? Especially because from what I could tell, it did seem like Morris was like, I feel like we all be getting voices. Mm-hmm. And then they did lucky that the voices are so awesome i know because if it really was a kid being like i'm a ghost like it would just i'm be, a ghost it, i died in this house yeah it'd be weird so thankfully janet she in, really in delivers the, she really delivers in the ultimate skeptic view yeah obviously of course um but morris gross explains um about all of this stuff he's like we we checked her uh, uh the way that she could have been making this voice falsifying this voice he goes it is the voice that she is doing there is not made with her larynx, but with the false vocal fold. 
okay. just above the voice box. It's what you use when you lose your voice. Oh. So when you cannot speak um, in an average way and you force your voice to go like here, mm -hmm. that's how she's making that voice. It's not using your voice box. And it clangs your vocal cords together oh, and it would give you a sore throat. This Boy. is the, his his big point is like nobody you can't talk you like can't that voluntarily. For like, yeah, well, you can do it voluntarily. Okay, you can't do it for more than like five minutes uh -huh. without getting a sore throat and needing to stop. Right, and he says that they did this voice for like three hours, hmm. but then he also goes not continually. Oh, and also he goes. He goes, now that voice was like impossible to make. It's impossible that she made that voice because she's not speaking from here. She's speaking like this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you just did it. Yeah, right. So clearly it can be done. You just did it. Right. I can do it. Yeah. I don't think I can do it. Try it. She's speaking like this. No, I can't. I'm great at it. She's speaking. You, you can't get she, to like this uh, gravelly uh, place. Let me find it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's speaking like this. No, I don't think I did it. Like I don't think I can do it. Can you go all the way down? Oh, I can't go all the way down. Wow, you really can't. I guess not. Maybe, maybe it is more incredible than I thought. I can't do it. I don't know. Maybe I need help. Let's. All right. Coming to TikTok. I want the the Morris Grossman challenge. Oh, you know what? Oh, I, the Morris Grossman challenge. I want the Morris Grossman challenge. And then you challenge like five of your friends. I've got a better name for it. Oh, my so, God. So hold on. That actually is very funny. Oh, I'm, I'm not kidding. I, I want to do this. People send, yeah. your, people send in your. People send in your. No, no, no. We'll do it first and then they can stitch onto it. You're right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the 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 seemingly agreed upon name for the ghost is Bill Wilkins. Right. Okay? Everybody agrees it's Bill Wilkins. Mm -hmm. Bill Wilkins, they said that he had a hemorrhage. He died in a chair in the corner of the room. Bill Wilkins was a real person, had a, a grandson, I believe, or a son, who eventually corroborated everything the girls were saying. It's impossible. Impossible. Mm-hmm. How could they possibly know? It had to be a real ghost. Do you agree? Do I agree with that? Yeah. How, how did they come up with the name Bill Wilkins and like know all this stuff about how he died and stuff? I don't know. Talk to their neighbors or something? I mean, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But also, um, also uh, nobody really talks about this anymore. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't say they were Bill Wilkins. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe later, like way later they did. Mm -hmm. At first, when they started speaking in these voices... They said there were multiple voices, multiple people that were speaking through them, including Stuart Sertens. Okay. Andrew Garner. All right. And Dirty Dick. Dirty Dick? Yeah. Okay. So the Dirty Dick Challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, we're going to end up on the wrong side of TikTok oh, doing no, the Dirty Dick right. Challenge. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're, oh no. Um, all right, anyway, so that was, that was, uh, that was on, clip uh, one. Let's talk. What's that? We're going to be on kink talk. Oh, I don't like the sound That's of that. That's the thing, I know. I don't like that. All right, I'm going to jump to about uh, three minutes, 30 seconds into this clip now. This is another thing that I flagged as being fun to check out. Uh, this is what? Oh, this is fantastic. Okay. This is Morris Gross asking the ghost, why can't Janet feel you? Okay. She would say that she is not making this voice. She said that it feels like it's coming from behind her, mm -hmm. which is scary. Yeah, that is cool. Right, because that that plays into all kinds of like ghost and and 
possession kind of right it, it makes you it gives you a very visual image mm-hmm. even if you can't see him because he's invisible or whatever it really makes you think of him lurking behind her and using her as a tool to speak because he's a corpse yeah um so uh here we go uh this is morris gross asking why can't janet feel you oh janet feel you i'm invisible Invisible. Why are you invisible? Because I'm a G H O S T. Did you get that? Why would he say that? Yeah, he said I'm a G H O S T. How strange is that? It'd be funny if it was <laughs> spelled wrong. If he was like, because I'm a G O H S T. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, th- somebody else would point out that Bill Wilkins appears to have the uh, command of language and vocabulary of an 11-year-old. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, and I saw somewhere else, and I don't have the sighting on it, they said that he was obsessed with menstruation. Uh, what? Wait, he the ghost or the real person? No, he the ghost, presumably. So speaking through Janet, he was yeah, obsessed with menstruation. speaking through the 11-year-old girl wanted to talk a lot about <laughs> growing up and... Oh, it's kind of sad. Was she like, scared is... to ask these questions Maybe. as herself? So Maybe. as Bill Wickens, he was like, where does the tampon go? Maybe I don't I don't have like a quote of, of how that uh-huh. manifested or anything, but I did come across that in my research. Weird. But I do I do love that. Why can't Janet feel you? I'm invisible. Yeah. Why are you invisible? Because I'm a G-H-O-S-T. Mm-hmm. That is so odd. Yes. Let's assume that it's real now. Sure. Is Bill Wilkins so uncomfortable being a ghost, he can't even bring himself to say, basically, I'm dead. And is he five? It's one thing to not be able to explain that you're dead, but you spell it out like you don't want your dog to know you have a treat. Doesn't really make any sense. It's like an 80-year-old man. Well, because I'm a G H O S T. I mean, you're you're not wrong there. Right? <laughs> it's very silly. <laughs> it is very silly. <laughs> You're right about that. Um, uh, <laughs> um, uh, Everyone here is sad. She can't communicate her feelings about her period normally, so she's doing it through the ghost. If yeah. he is a ghost, he can't even bring himself to say it, so he spells it out like a child. It's all, it's all very weird. No one's thriving. No, and it's about to get way, way, way weirder. Here, this next clip has something to do with being a dog. Or no, having dogs. The ghost has dogs so that he won't get shot oh it does it doesn't make a lick of sense we'll talk about it you know they i guess it could be some sort of security in a way maybe let's check it out oh that's that's why do you have dogs so that they can protect me okay just there you kidding me how can we kill you bill you could shoot me off. Now, how do we, how can we shoot you? This is a freaking child. I'm sorry. You could shoot me, yeah. Uh, now, something else I want to point out about they this. They protect me. How? So you can't kill me. How do they kill you? Silence. You could shoot me. Uh, uh, yeah. It's a child's mind. The voice is of. incredible. Yes, it is. Now, well, one, one other very important thing to point out about this clip, though, Kristen. My gut and I could be wrong. I've heard snippets of this clip in the documentary, and they do sound... It's obviously the same audio. Mm-hmm. And yet, 
I'm pretty convinced that what we're listening to here, the pitch has been lowered a bit. Oh, okay. Because I think that more Morris Gross also feels a bit lowered. Okay. His voice sounds lower than usual. And I think by doing that, it takes the little kid voice and it brings it real down to like be even older and scarier. Yeah, it does sound real low. I do feel like you could. I want to find the place in your voice where you make that sound because I feel like it's got to be in you somewhere. I I, I feel like she just found that place. Mm -hmm. She's speaking from that place. Yeah, she's nestled into it. How about we throw on the closed captions? Oh, they don't do anything. Oh, really? Yeah, they don't do anything, especially now. Yeah, I see. It's already um, right here. uh, (laughs) Oh, oh, let's continue with this. How how would we kill you? You could shoot me. Mm -hmm. Listen how weird it gets. Sorry, I didn't hear that, Bill. I'm glad you're gone. By praying to God. So, what you're saying is we could get rid of you by praying to God. Yes. See, that's like collaborative Mm -hmm. storytelling or Mm -hmm. something. Like, they're like, I have all the dogs, so you can't kill me. How could we kill you? We could shoot you. We can't shoot you. You're a ghost. What'd you say? Did you say by praying to God? Yes. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Did he say uh, we can't kill you? You're a ghost or whatever, uh, whatever. or shoot I, you? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh-huh. Okay. But you know what I mean? Just like the two of them going back and yeah. forth until you get to a place where I've got all the dogs or whatever. So that you can't get rid of me by praying to God. Now, we've gotten so far from this silly notion mm-hmm. of. So you can't shoot me. Right. Which is weird. I did see people in the comments down here will talk about like maybe by shoot, Bill Wilkinson is saying, I'm in a human body right now. You could shoot this kid, Uh-oh. which is horrible. Uh-huh. Uh, but is that the point, you know? Right. Um, but uh, it's just, I don't know. I, I think it's it's super interesting. Yeah, um, it totally is. Yeah. So uh, then what everything that happens for the end of this clip, by the way. Um, around, yeah, starting about now, uh, Bill just starts barking and yelling. Okay. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, it's of real I weird. Do. Yeah. It's about 20 seconds of this. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> now, that didn't sound too good, I don't think. <laughs> Right? I don't know. I guess it sounds like an old man as much as the rest of it does. That like, yeah, being weird. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. All right. Getting a little high pitched. Certainly doesn't sound like an 11 year old girl. If you heard that sound and somebody said, this is an 11 year old girl or an 80 year old man. I think you would say an 80 year old man. I feel like what's making I, I think those that. I think those growls and barks are the weakest. Yeah. Of the of, yeah of, for sure. Of, of all of this. Otherwise, it really does sound like we've said a million times, like a real old person man voice. It, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Like one way or another, no matter what. Like, listen, I, I may be poo pooing a lot of this. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. Right. Um. Uh. But I I don't really know what to make of it. I I don't believe in it, especially because they're caught later. But again, yeah. like. Kids can, go- can be goofing around, and this was going on for 18 months. Mm-hmm. What they're supposed to be completely stone cold serious for 18 months. That's you know how so long, long. That's a long stretch of time, no matter what. If you're a kid, right? That's like a tenth of your life is all of these people and reporters and 
mm-hmm. people interviewing you and talking to you. They they brought in ventriloquists to be like, are they throwing their voices? How are they pulling off this tr- all this crap? Eventually, you, know what the you would just said. What's that? Do you know what the ventriloquist said? Almost everybody a... that I read on uh, like was like, yeah, they, they could be this could be a trick. Yeah, it could absolutely be a trick. Uh, right, because that's been such a a claim that people have thrown at them is that yeah. they're just throwing their voices. So, I but was let's let's assume hear. let's take it at face value that it's real. They're kids and they want to goof around. Mm-hmm. They get caught goofing around and the entire case gets thrown out. Yeah, right, right. You know, I, like, I, I yeah, don't know. they're trying to have fun for like a minute. Yes, uh, but uh, of course I don't believe it. No, same. Um, so I've also got, um, <laughs> uh, boy. Oh, I wrote down. <laughs> I wrote down uh, the original BBC story is bizarre. It's very matter of fact. And Morris Gross comes off like the biggest fool and liar. <laughs> um, there's a moment where they, they, he's trying to talk to the ghost. And he says, I'll ask you yes or no questions. Um, and then you can knock in response. One knock means no. Two knocks means yes. Ask a few questions. It gets to a point where uh, <laughs> he starts going, you must go away. You mustn't be obstinate. You must go away. No. Please go away. No. Enough. No. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Like, it's like very like, again, it's like, it feels, it doesn't have any of the, the, the fun allure spookiness of ghostliness. The gravitas. It is dry and kind of dopey. Yeah. You know, Uh, at one point the ghost knocks three times and nobody knows the hell that means, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and uh, there appear to be reenactments. Okay. They talk about uh, Morris Gross. At one point, the ghost appear- appeared to throw a shoe at him. Mm-hmm. And they cut to footage of a shoe being thrown at him. Okay. And then he says that he was talking to the ghost and it threw a cardboard box at him. And they cut to footage of Morris Gross crouching by a bed and a box gets thrown at him. And I was like, <laughs> I thought all this happened before the doc. I think they're recreating. Yeah. So they had... It's just so weird. You know, I just watched, and some other people may watch it too, because I think it was pretty popular on Netflix, this documentary called Our Father about this horrific um, fertility doctor who was using his own specimens to impregnate women who came to him without their consent. Oh, God. But anyway, the beginning of the documentary said that there were going to be reenactments and some of them involved actors and the actual people. And that's not something that I remember having seen before. And what you're saying reminds me of that. So it was a reenactment, but instead of having an actor play Morris Grossman, they just had Morris Grossman do it himself and dodge a cardboard box. Yes, yeah. It's uh, very, weird, very, very bizarre. I, I can understand being like, well, this adds to the realism of her, but it's just so, it's just so strange. I almost rather they just have an actor do it, even if it's corny or something, because it's just what you're used to. It's so strange and it makes him silly. Yeah. You know, it, it makes him, if he's playing a character, even if the character is himself, mm-hmm. it sort of reduces the thing to, to kind of plan around. Right. You know, um, uh, for a minute. Now, I will say about Morris Gross that his story is very sad Mm -hmm. so he and his wife had a daughter named janet and she died very young so um it was uh sort of theorized i I didn't see him say this himself somebody else that was associated with the case was like maybe morris was basically feeling like really attached to this case because it involved a janet maybe it felt to him a little bit like confirmation of the other side and Mm. 
he, having lost a kid, he he felt he just needed to be involved in this and, yeah. and help out, which is interesting. Yeah, you know, could be. Um, uh, Morris Gross um, would shoot something called Ghostbuster, Ghostbusters, the real thing. Okay. In which he would lightly take credit for Ghostbusters. What? Yeah. He um for a moment he he talks about how like he's been doing this for a long time and and you know movies like Ghostbusters have tried obviously to adapt his work. Oh my like, that seems god. Like a, like a stretch. A massive stretch. But I do also have this. And this is a shockaroo. All right. A shockaroo. Well, William, I'm ready to hear about it. After this break. Oh, oh my God. You gave us a cliffhanger. Yes, I did. Wow. So if you like what you're listening to right now and you would like to support the show, but not only get that, get bonuses and rewards for your support, please go to patreon.com slash gdtupod. We have a number of different tiers over there that you can choose from. You can get up to a bonus episode every single week. And we have a backlog of dozens and dozens of do- and dozens of shows for you to check out, plus bonuses that don't even like live in that sort of like weekly episode thing that are just up there as extras, like up commentaries. There to enjoy. Was that up there just to enjoy? Just to enjoy. We have commentaries for all of the Scream movies. We have video game playthroughs, all kinds of stuff. And there's also a Discord, which is basically like a chat room with lots of members of the Guides Unknown community who are into the same stuff that you are and suggest things to each other. And it's just a really awesome time over there. And we appreciate our patron donors so, so, so much. 100%. Mm. And uh, right now, just this past week, we've uploaded a, a, a good couple of things up there. Yeah. For one, the most recent episode of the Netherworld Dispatch went live on Monday. And it is uh, very laid back and, and kidding around. Kristen and I use TierMaker, this like popular ranking system online, to rank saw traps. Mm-hmm. So we talked a lot about individual saw traps from throughout the franchise. And then we also ranked Halloween candy. Right. Which was very fun, contentious, yes. a fight, a battle. Things get heated when it comes to popcorn. Of course. And yes. I'm still not over it. I don't even want to talk about Doritos. No. <laughs> so check that out. And also up on Patreon, we did a fun thing last week. For Friday the 13th, Kristen and I talked a lot about the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. It was the first time that we've ever really sunk into a true crime case yeah. together. And so we we put the first half of that conversation out free on all the public feeds. But the second half is exclusive to Patreon. Mm-hmm. And so you can go there and you can see a bunch of the Zodiac letters. We read them together. We look at some of the later letters that he wrote. We look at letters that are seemingly people who are copycats. Zodiac copycats. Yeah. Made letters of their own to seem as if they were the Zodiac. Right. Sent as recently as like the early 2000s. Yeah. Which is bizarre. It I is, had no idea that a lot of these things existed. It makes sense, but yeah. I just didn't know. So strange. But so check those two things out. They're there right this second if you sign up. They're waiting for you. Mm-hmm. And this coming Monday, Kristen and I are going to be taking a look, if all things go correctly, at the Silent Hills uh, PT yes. game. This, this sort of like uh, uh, cult piece of horror. One of my favorite horror things ever made we've played it before we're going to play it again there's new stuff to talk about in the silent hill world um a lot to check out point is the guide to the unknown patreon is bountiful it truly is plentiful yeah it's harvest time go get it (laughs) patreon.com slash gttu pod pick the tier that works best for you no matter what you got a bunch of shows 
waiting for you. Dive in. All right. William, tell me about this shocker. This is bizarre. And I think that this ends up influencing The Conjuring 2, the movie. I think. Because it's so strange. So, I haven't mentioned this other guy. Morris Gross was investigating this case early on with Guy Leon Playfair. Okay. Heck of a name. I know. It's a lot of names. A mouthful. It's a lot to chew on. Yeah. Guy Leon Playfair wrote a book eventually called This House is Haunted uh, and mentions in that book that a medium named Annie Shaw went into a bit of a trance in the house and said out loud, Gozer, Gozer. What? Help me. Yeah. What? Gozer, Gozer. Help me. Weird. And so it is believed that Dan Aykroyd, across the globe, really was like, Gozer, Gozer, help me. <laughs> Why, that's a fascinating name. He Here was I a, come. How about he was a Sumerian <laughs> biblical <laughs> god foretold <laughs> by the key maker. Yeah. And whatever. And like used it for Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. So Morris Gross would say that he's, you know, the real deal Ghostbuster. And Guy Leon Playfair calls out this medium Annie Shaw, who at the time said, Gozer, Gozer, help me. Yeah. So this is where Gozer comes from. That's crazy. The Enfield poltergeist haunting. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Isn't that huh. crazy? Yes. Now, we'll get into it later, but just to set the seeds of it, I think that Hollywood, again, how weird would it be? So Gozer, right? All right. In this poltergeist case, Gozer is mentioned. Gozer is in there. Yeah. We know that The Conjuring 2, the movie, is coming out, and Ed and Lorraine Warren are going to be involved in this, and they did go there in real life. Right. They only went two or three times. They didn't have much to do with anything. Mm -hmm. Um, The kids, even now, grown up, uh, reflect on that as being like a very warm experience, the Warrens, with them. Yeah. And I watched footage of them reuniting after like 30 years, and it did seem very sweet. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Whatever you have to say about the Warrens... It seems like these kids had a good experience with them. Right. So they're making this new big Warner Brothers movie. And uh, for whatever reason, they make the decision. It's got to be bigger than just one ghost. It's got to be the ghost and a demon. Mm -hmm. A demon in control of everything. You've got a demon. Yeah. You've got a demon. Annie Shaw said, Gozer, Gozer, help me. But you can't. You can't do it because Dan Aykroyd used the name already. Right. Enter Valak. Right. Conjuring 2 conjures up this fictional grand demon that is pulling the strings behind everything, Valak. I almost think that they took some of the Annie Shaw Mm -hmm. story and gave it to Lorraine Warren to streamline the story. She is now the one in the film who has something of a vision and scrawls the name Valak. That's absolutely what it sounds like. Right? Yeah. So weirdly... As much as the nun, the spooky nun in The Conjuring 2 is a total fabrication, mm-hmm. it does have some bones right. in what actually happened. Yeah. They just can't use it because Dan Aykroyd got there first, as he always does. As I know. Honestly, I don't know why any of us were surprised. As he often, often does. Yeah. Now, Will, let's talk about, as we wrap up the episode, we need to talk about the movie. Yes. The Conjuring. Yes, too. we do. Yes. So I guess you watched it as well, right? Uh, yeah, I tried. <laughs> Listen. Yeah. I gave it a shot. I, you know what? 
I'm here to have a voice of dissent. I liked it. Uh-huh. I was pleasantly surprised. I know I've seen this before, and I thought it was a turd. I liked it. I would like an hour shaved off, please. Oh, my God. A little God. less than an hour. But it's, it's, it's too long. Yeah. It's two hours and 21 minutes and long. And it still just feels like, listen. We don't need, like, everything to be an opus like that. Everyone believe, uh, like, I really respect everybody's spirituality. Be who you are. It feels like propaganda. Oh, yeah. And it's it's a big shockeroo to me that these movies are so <laughs> yeah. popular, given that they are so chaste. <laughs> I have never felt less heat from a couple this than I have is... felt from Screen, Lorraine, and Ed. Yeah. Their love sickens me. It's gross. It's gross. It's so tender. And I and I like that. No, don't both. step on it. it I is, really like both of them. It is tender. It's yeah, it's too tender. Their love. Far too tender. Way too tender. And I'm not into it. No. I don't know how they procreated these characters in the movie. I can't imagine. Like, there's a point where they have to sleep in several beds because they're staying in the Enfield house. And Ed is like, I don't know if I can sleep apart from you. <laughs> apart from you. And I was like, uh, I bet you can. Yeah. I don't think that you guys have, like... <laughs> No, I don't think so. And Touched even, below the equator since your the, child was born. The closest line they have to any form of intimacy, she responds with like, it'll just give you something to wait for for when we're back home. Like, <laughs> Yeah, sleeping fully pajamaed in two separate beds yeah, next to each other. You might catch a sight of like ankle or something. <laughs> right. You know? If they kiss, it's probably like that episode of Friends where Phoebe has to pretend yes. to want to be with uh, what the hell's name? Chandler. And yeah. they're like, Ugh. Yeah, and they're grossed out by each other. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it, it's it's really incredible. <laughs> it's, it's 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 really bizarre. There's a moment early on in the movie where Ed is like, "Those selfish ass," and she goes, "Ed." I know. And she he- stops him from saying "ass" or "asshole." <laughs> I think you're gonna say "asshole." They're and- so. They're so vanilla. So Th- I- this is a gross thing for a, a man to say. Sure. Okay. This movie is sexless. <laughs> I'm not saying. I mean, I basically just said as yeah. But it's I think gross the, the literal yeah, yeah, yeah. term "sexless" is, it is gross. Sexless. But I am so. <laughs> I am so. Uh, here's the thing. I think it stands, I don't care. I think it stands out as sexless though because they're supposed to. They're kind of framed as this like ultimate marital couple and the ultimate good. Yeah. And they weren't. No, oh god. And no. I don't I don't believe in it. It feels like propaganda. Yeah. It feels like something is in a contract about how they must be the most honest and he's gonna help with the plumbing. Wholesome. And he's gonna sing Fools Rush In right. to the kids. I d- so like it is it is gross and it is like religious propaganda. Yes. I kept a folksy log, which I was surprised wasn't longer, actually. The moments of folksiness really jump out, but there's actually not that many of them. There is just an underlying, like, ultra niceness to them. But the the things that are really like, okay, are, as you said, Lorraine stopping Ed from saying asshole. Um, The infamous Fools Rush In Elvis song singing. And he's, like, looking at Lorraine with love while he's singing it. But, and but it starts so There's weirdly. no stirring, no, though. There's nothing. It's nothing. But. It's hollow. <laughs> and he is so placidly enjoyable, you know? Yeah. And I like I like Patrick um, Wilson. Wilson. I actually I love do. him. Yeah. And I like Vera Formiga. I do, too. I know. Um, but there's something about these movies. I don't know what the deal is. They're but so homogenized. You know how, like, you know how, like, it's like a thing for, like, remember in Superbad that uh, Mc, McLovin's mom 
Was this, is that, is, was that right? Yeah, McLovin? it was right. McLovin's mom had to be on set because he has a sex scene. <laughs> no, I didn't. You know, know that, that he was no. he was like seventeen, oh, okay. so he had to have an, his mom had to be there. Well, everybody's parents were far shooting. away from the set for this movie because there's no need. No, see, I feel like for some reason there was a chaperone somewhere that was like tisk tisk. <laughs> no, tisk tisk. No, nah, I don't dis- do that. I disagree. No frowning. They're, I don't even want them to frown. No, there's probably like a purity specialist who went through the script and was like, my job here is done. You guys don't even have to pay me for the day. Yeah. And parents could just go get a hot dog or whatever because there's no concern. I here. don't know. I feel like somebody was watching in case they like open mouth smiled at each other. <laughs> you know, like, ooh, that's vulgar. Like everything just feels very tucked and primped and, and buttoned and gross. And uh, uh, so even funny. the fool's rush in moment <laughs> really gets under my skin because he goes like, he's like, oh, this uh, guitar, huh? Huh. Whose was this? This thing, uh, tuned? it's like perfectly tuned. And then yeah. it goes, <laughs> wise men say, thank you. Thank you very much. And everybody sort of giggles like it's going to be him joke singing. And then it settles in yeah. to just loving it. Yes. And it being like a really kind honest moment for everyone all together and, and then I, the worst part ugh, for me was that <laughs> was that the family joined in i didn't remember that oh they that do the, yeah the whole family starts singing it together maybe not the mom but all the kids do. It, it's incredible why are they moving into people's houses why is he why why are they moving in and helping i think these are grifters it's incredible yeah i also feel like there's something weird in this movie where ed is almost paired up with the mom of the family peggy well in a weird sexless romance for them because he can be kind of charming to her you know it's very strange he feels paired with her and i don't get it he i think he's he's standing in for her husband like doing things that a husband might do as far as repairs around the house and that's the deal because she has this husband that won't pay in the beginning of the movie she's on the phone like trying to get some money for something and so he knows that she doesn't have a man around the house and so he's helping out in that way so okay. that's yeah because they're they're the ultimate good they'll they'll take care Men. of you until until you know <laughs> until they bounce they turn around and leave and like write books about it and stuff and insist that they never took any money for it and meanwhile right. they were like he secretly was said to have had like a relationship with a 15 year old oh, girl yeah. that lived in their house and like all like we're talking about ed warren by the way not the father in the enfield case this no, is no. ed warren who ed did warren. this yeah it's just like a very gross couple that feels right. very like predatory and yeah. opportunistic and they've been turned into the ultimate good it's so weird box office blast off it's insane that that is it's, it's crazy because they're extremely unsavory in real life and why i just i'm, I'm also i'm just in shock that this is what audiences respond to i mean like, i gotta say i like it I, a couple I, who won't even like hold hands like in public because it's like <laughs> too too much like pda or something yeah, they're very chaste no like i mean mike this is this movie's too steamy for mike pence you know mother wouldn't like it no no she wouldn't allow it um look having said all this and me <laughs> me ripping it because i think there's a lot to rip i did enjoy watching it there was more good here than i was expecting there to be i i'm ripping on it a lot I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. I do think it's very, 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 very weird. <laughs> yeah. The Conjuring movies as a concept because of the way they frame the Warrens are so weird. Very weird. Um, and another choice that I find, just keep using the word, but just a weird choice is having the Amityville, Amityville case just be the cold open. Right. I think that they must have thought that's too obvious or it's ground that's too well trodden or something. But I would actually 
enjoy seeing yeah, a I would conjuring like to see movie about the Amityville case because even though we've seen it already in the Amityville horror movies, we haven't seen it through this bizarro Warren's lens. And I would like to see what's going on there. Yeah, did Ed, you know, like fix the toaster? He must have. You know, did like Lorraine like, you know, fold the laundry? She definitely walked past somebody and put a blanket around their shoulders. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. That's what I'm really here for. This yeah. is what I want to see. Right. And then went to check on the fifteen year old that Ed's with. Uh, boy, boy. So, uh, but Ed, Ed would no, be... no, doors open. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but so, but so I, I would be interested in seeing a whole movie of that. And I think other people probably would be too. So I'm kind of surprised that they just sort of shunted it off into this like quick side story. That's pretty uh, like quickly dispatched. I totally agree. I totally agree. But I also think that the way this movie opens on the inside of the Amityville house and you see those yeah. very iconic eye shaped windows from inside. Yeah. It makes you instantly go, oh shit. Yeah, it's so recognizable. It is so exciting right off the bat that it really works. Mm -hmm. But I would not be against them going back and telling that story. I know. I I, I think that they should. I, I just think it's it's very rich ground because it's so well known, honestly. I think I applaud this franchise for like getting back to something resembling the sort of like seventies patience mm -hmm. of filmmaking, of horror filmmaking. You know, not everything is like jump out and scream at you, even right. though there are a lot of jump scares. Like James Wan uses a lot of jump scares, but he's also so game focused. Mm -hmm. Like he did actually, he directed Saw, obviously, yeah. he created Saw. And that's all about like a little like open and shut trap. Right. It's a microcosm story. And that's how I think about almost everything I've seen from him in The Conjuring. Mm -hmm. It's that too. Like we're going to have this little set piece where Valak's shadow walks toward the portrait and then it zooms across the wall. Right. Like that is fascinating, but that's a little pocket event. Yes. I actually, I was going to say, I think that part's awesome. Yeah. I think that's really um, different. I think that's very And fun. weird. So yeah. Valak, like we said, is the nun. And Ed had a dream about the nun and made this painting. And Lorraine is being kind of tormented. like tormented by it so in their home <laughs> she is feeling like something's going on and then you see this shadow of the nun walk over to the portrait of the nun and frame itself perfectly under it so it's it's all lined up and then goes flying at her holding the portrait in front of his face but its mouth is moving like ah! and like chasing her and i actually think that's awesome i do think that's pretty <laughs> cool it's something i haven't seen before which is like one thing i really want out of ghost stories yeah is uh, particularly ghost stories as like, give me some weird ghost trait I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, something that like baffles you and makes you feel like I've never even considered that. Didn't know they that could, could do exist. that. I, that's very fun. And I also like the, um, the explanation for Valak and like why it's a nun. It's not really a nun. It's a weird demon thing, right. but it's taken the form of a nun so it can be blasphemous and challenge Lorraine's uh, faith. Right. Which I think is fun. Which is fun. It turns it into something of like her ultimate villain because mm -hmm. she is the ultimate good, evidently. And so she's got this ultimate demon that's... And, and demons are said to well, do it's this like, to... It's mo I see it as it's mocking her faith. Yeah. You know? But they mock the Holy Trinity, yeah. you know, by knocking three times, stuff like that. Maybe that's what Bill Wilkinson was doing. Right. By knocking three times and turning crucifixes upside down. It all makes sense. Mm -hmm. But in the confines of like a giant universe where now we have a movie called The Nun. Yeah. And we learn the backstory of the demon further. And it was a nun way before it knew anything about Lorraine. It <laughs> yeah, just gets messy. You know what I mean? That's a problem. So like the theme of this movie, that sort of works. But when you embellish it, it stops working, which... Mm -hmm. I feel like 
like if you're gonna st- if everybody everybody wants the universe still they're they're studying the wrong things about marvel mm-hmm. which is consistency right and the emotional through line yeah watching the trauma actually grow mm-hmm. and so i i don't I, I feel like valak yeah is misused Definitely later. I think Valak is used fine in this movie, but it doesn't make sense when the movie The Nun comes out and you find it actually was a nun. Right. Like they go back to the 1500s and it's the nun is a nun. In this movie, they said that it's just a general demon that's finding the form that would disturb Lorraine the most. Yes. The Marquis of Snakes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so when she's expelling the demon from the Enfield house, because they see it in their home in Connecticut, but then it's also affecting them in, in, in the Enfield house in England or whatever. Um, when she's getting rid of it, she says, the defiler, the profane, the marquee of snakes. So same. <laughs> so Valak evidently was a like an old right. god thing, but not from like the Bible, from mm-hmm. like a book. Um so uh, there's a whole thing where, like, Valak appears multiple times throughout the movie. Like, I think its name is written on panes of glass. It's, it's written on these blocks next to her when she has a vision and she's uh, scratching out her Bible. And she evidently writes the name Valak in her Bible, which I guess she just sits in the corner reading a Bible all day. Yes. It's all over their kitchen. Yeah. Um, I noticed it. Like, I mean, it's not even like I found, like, a cool Easter egg. It's like... Basically, they're like block letters that say Valak next to her in the yeah. kitchen. And I was looking at it before I remembered that the thing's name was Valak and everything. And I was like, are there, is that like Lorraine and then other members of their family? Yeah. Like, what is this? I couldn't figure it out. And then when they said the name, I was like, I thought that was way, it's weird. It's, oh, it's, it's completely heavy over handed, the top. Yeah. Heavy handed and Valak is nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's puzzling that she saw visions of Valak at the, the Amityville house. Right. At their Connecticut house, and it happens to be pulling the strings behind Bill Wilkins, the ghost right. in Enfield. Right. She realizes it, and she she like has a vision, and she like comes to like against Ed, and she's like, "The old man is a pawn. It's Valak." And it's like, "What? What are you talking? Why about? Why is it everywhere you? Not even just everywhere you are. If the old right. man is a pawn, then Valak had left you for a while and was just zooming over to England and doing this, and you happened to get involved. It's convenient." For convenience's sake, right? It is weird. It is too tidy, and I don't like it. I don't. I don't like Valak. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel right, and it feels too big. Uh, in a movie that like supposedly is trying to retell an actual story, I, the the actual haunting just peters out. Mm-hmm. By yeah. the way, the kids are found to have been making some stuff up. People stop believing it. The the haunting occurrences space out further and further. It all just peters out. Mm-hmm. It fades away. So they need a finale yeah. for the film. But to create this grandiose, the windows are exploding. Ed is almost going to die. Yeah. And like, it's just too, too, too big, I think. I just think it's ridiculous that Valak is involved with Enfield. I don't know. It wouldn't make any sense to even have it in the movie anyway. Uh, or excuse me, have it in the movie if that wasn't the case. But it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, also, the original design of Valak was just a regular old demon. And then they had to go back and reshoot everything involving that demon because they had the idea to turn it into the nun. Oh. And so they had to do that. It was so smart to do actually that. in the end of the movie, when she is defeating Valak by calling him the defiler and the Marquis of snakes, it's like, it's like doing like crazy, like shaking and like it's disintegrating and you see the actual demon form for a second in there. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, that was the, the best business decision they ever made because yeah. when they made the movie, the nun, 
Evidently, that is the highest grossing of any of the Conjuring films. Which is crazy. And The Nun 2 was recently announced. Yeah, The Nun stinks. The Nun was terrible. That's a... I, I did not like that movie at all. And I think it's cuckoo that it's the highest grossing one. I think it probably just came at the right time. Maybe. But it's crazy to me that that's higher grossing than Annabelle. It's a very, very or, or great... the Conjuring movies, you know? Yeah. I, I haven't seen any, either of the Annabelles. I haven't either, but yeah. I know they're very popular. Um, the uh, the Nun has a very good shot in it that mm-hmm. I like. There's a, there's like a room. A, a Nun is found dead or something. Right. Somebody comes to investigate the death. And they've been keeping her body in this room to sort of preserve it. Uh-huh. And so it's this dang, it's like a hundred years ago or something like that. There's no electricity at this, uh, in this room. So the person goes in and it's all dark and shadows. And because it's just high contrast, the black and white of the nun's habit, you can see this slumped over corpse just in the shadows over there. And you, it's a long enough shot or an interestingly en- composed enough shot that you can almost convince yourself, oh, it's going to move yeah. or something. It's a good shot. Mm-hmm. I like that shot. It's got that going it's got for that. it. Well, Will, final thoughts on the Enfield Haunting and The Conjuring 2. Um, my final thoughts are, I don't know if it uh, is real. My gut tells me no because I don't believe in any of this stuff. I right. would love for it to be real. I have seen the the footage. There's a great case of us like, I saw the documentary. Uh-huh. I saw Janet talk and I heard that voice come out of her mouth and I went... I think, I think she can make that voice. Yeah. I believe she can make that voice. Right. She still to this day insists that it really happened. And so, you know, to a certain extent, I don't want to call people liars. I want to take people at their word. Mm-hmm. Um, they are said not to have made money off of it. They're said not to have, like, uh, earned fame. Uh, Peggy would continue to live in that house until the 2000s when she passed away. Right. Um, so it's not as if there was some great windfall of all this. But my rebuttal would be, you're a kid... I was a troubled kid. Mm-hmm. Attention is attention. Attention yeah. can be the the sort of commodity that you earn yourself, even if it's not money, right? Or fame. Um, I don't. I don't believe in it, and I think the movie is um, schmaltzy, <laughs> self serious, has a lot of fun ideas because James Wan has a lot of fun ideas. Yeah. Um, but I don't like the Warrens, and I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. Of of shining a wonderful light on them, yeah, and it makes me feel a little. That's bit not gross. even skeptical. That's critical. Critical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ditto. I don't believe that this is a real haunting for all the reasons that you said, and I enjoyed this movie more than I expected to. But I still think the Warrens are gross, and yeah. I think it's so weird that there's this new cottage industry around painting them as like. The purest that the pure. a person can be. Kristen, they're the greatest thing we ever had. Yeah, it's the, the, so... The greatest that humanity has ever had to so offer. so odd. Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> right. Um, begrudgingly, I like The Crooked Man. I do, too. Which does make a lick of sense. I do, too. And there was supposed to be a Crooked Man spinoff, but it is stuck in development hell. It's a shame. Yeah. I don't know how they thought they were going to make it, to begin with, to be honest. Uh, right. I don't know. They figured it out. They figured out something with The Nun, and that was the highest grossing movie ever. I, it's it's a shock that this movie exists in the form that it's in. To be honest, <laughs> partway partway through it, a big, a big, purple, spindly, crooked man uh-huh. in a top hat, yeah, looms close to the camera and smiles with jagged teeth in right. this Conjuring movie. Yeah, it feels out of nowhere. That felt really out of place because that thing almost looks like a cartoon or something. All of a sudden, it's evidently a real person, real prosthetics, but they did something to the frame rate. There's totally. something. It's, it's like it's like fake under cranked or something. Like something looks weird about it. Yeah, but like, uh, uh, it doesn't belong here. 
No. At no. all. Except James Wan loves a pocket scare. He uh-huh. loves a little game. And so he put a little game in here. Mm-hmm. And the crooked man rhyme is British. Yeah. And so that makes some sense to be an Enfield. Sure. Bill Wilkin, the ghost, uh, later on he'll whistle... Uh, this old man, he played nine, he played tic-tac on my spine. He whistles that tune. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, of course James Wan has that in here. There's a little, a fun little playful thing. Yeah. Games. Right. He wants to play a game. He wants to play a game. All right, everybody. <sighs> well, we hope you enjoyed that. Go check out Stuff About the Conjuring for yourself if you are curious. As we said before, certainly go check out patreon.com slash pod. We would love to have you over there. There's awesome stuff there. Yeah. And you can also go to gttupod.com, which is the home of Guides the Unknown. So you'll find links to all of our previous episodes, information about advertising on the show that you might want to check out if you're a small business, because we particularly love those, although we love all businesses. Yeah. If your money's green, we kind of like you. Okay. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you thought I was just going to go in on that with you. No. What, I, what would I think you're going to say? <laughs> well, I love money. <laughs> I'll just give you a funny little look. Okay. <laughs> Make sure you check out the previous episodes we did covering The Conjuring. We did The Conjuring 1. We did The Conjuring 2. So now we've done the entire trilogy mm-hmm. the fabled trilogy yes so make sure that you check that out and uh, you can also follow us online yep i'm at chillin Kristen. i'm at the myth traveler so thank you so much for hanging out with us we will be back next week for more weird spooky stuff but until that time comes we must travel back to the netherworld go we did you get we it out. did you get that <laughs>